Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Spotcast. This is episode 62, first episode of season three, so, or something like that. I don't know. We're back. Something That's like all that. that matters. It doesn't matter. Uh, my name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mr. Mississauga. Hello! And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? The Tazuni, um, which is, you know, secret code for United States. Anyway, uh, um, yeah, we're back. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a while. Um, a couple of things we can talk about. We'll talk about in the in the. Uh, follow up in a minute. Uh, I mean, you have a you have a, a really old fact check from like way way, go, way bygone days. Yeah, so I thought this was interesting to note. Um, there is a ship in Picard, and I don't want to spoil it necessarily, but I guess if you're if you're listening to this show. It, this isn't too much of a spoiler. There is a USS Zhenghei, which was how um, one character pronounced the name of the ship. And I asked a significant other who who does actually speak Chinese and and who this person is and she said and i'm going to do my best to pronounce this as close to the way they said it it's Zhenghua, which apparently is named after the chinese equivalent of christopher columbus so he's an explorer from china he came to europe and threw the spaghetti at them i didn't get well i might have gotten details but in our hiatus i probably have forgotten <laughs> where he went um, right. but but i do know that they were you know roughly uh, culturally the equivalent of christopher columbus so an explorer from china well, and our other fact check here is for me. Um, I looked at this a minute ago, and it's been so long since we've been doing this show that I've forgotten what the fact check is. But then I just remembered that we were talking about it was the last time we recorded was was the anniversary of the rollout of the new Doctor Who series. And the star of that show was Christopher Eccleston, which I couldn't remember the name of, but that's him. The short-lived right. star. Yeah, and so we'll dig into the headlines. I just want to, this is sort of a headline, sort of a follow-up, sort of a little bit of, you know, factoid. Um, I have been happily putting the Spotcast episodes, the Picard episodes, I should say, on YouTube. Um, they're all up there, all 10 of them or whatever it was. And um, it's interesting because one of the reasons I wanted to put it up there was because you can actually get, um, people have asked for, for uh, transcriptions, right? And uh, YouTube has this facility where the, where the AI will go through and uh, it'll make some... Um, Transcriptions, which is really funny to hear what comes out of Kuline and Jaime, right? Uh, as you can imagine, right? As well as all the other things that we pronounce or mispronounce on the on the show. Um, so it's fun to sit there and watch the the AI go through, and you can actually go through after. I mean, I can go through too as the publisher and and, and correct them if I if I feel like it. But what was interesting was I, I put a bunch of them up, and and somebody must have turned on the Korean subtitles because one of the first episode came up with Korean. So you can watch Spock or you can listen to Spockcast and read the Korean subtitles. So that's another 
other side effect of the of the AIs. You whatever language you speak, you can listen to our show. Um, oh, and I don't know if I ever told you this, but yeah, I think I, did. I asked you guys. There there was another episode, uh, another podcast called Spotcast out there when I was googling around, and I'm like, what? Somebody's taking her name. What's going on here, right? And it turned out it was actually a single episode of a German podcast where, and I I used the translation facility in in Google to, or YouTube to transcribe that into English so I could see what they were. And it just seemed to me like they were just rambling. Um, so I'm not sure if they're. I've sent it over to another friend of mine who speaks German to see what she thinks. But um, I think what they they use the names of other podcasts to sort of like I guess to troll the the success of them and you know like as a sort of cheap you know <laughs> social networking gimmick to try and get more more listeners. But anyway, I hope it works for them. But because uh, they only talk about Spotcast and Kirk and Spock and like ten minutes and then they ramble on about other things. So so, so does that work? Can we do that too? Can we start just well, like what's a really good podcast people listen to uh, that we can that we can pillage and, and loot? Yeah, the accidental tech podcast. No, <laughs> um, it's or more than just code. We could do it. More, mind you, we mention Spotcast all the time. I think we've 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 convinced a few fans to come over from from there. By the way, I, this is something we could think about doing. Like we on our own show on, on more than just code, we have a number of loyal fans, right? And the problem with Twitter and Facebook and and those kind of vehicles for connecting with us is people just don't. I mean, a few people, there's some loyal fans who use the Ask MTJC or the Ask. Nobody's used the Ask podcast thing so far, but I mean, if you wanted to come over and talk to Jonathan about comic books, or you wanted to talk to Jaime about what the best video game in the 1990s was, um, you could come join our, our Slack channel. What do you guys think? I, I would love I to talk comics. I'm, I'm I in. Crickets. I hear crickets. Yeah, so we have we have a friend of the show. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll post a link to it. If you just come over to the MTJC uh, site, um, there's a there's a link there. We ask a skill testing question. Um, what's the answer, Jaime? Yeah, I think uh, it, it's been pretty nice to see the the community. No, what's the answer to the skill testing question? Oh, it's not, sorry, if that's it's not specifically. Forty-two. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that that could yeah, that could be the you know whatever. Yep, the no answer idea. to the question is forty-two. That, that no, would be. Well, yeah. I, I did not know that that was what it would be, but that's just given the meme. That sounds that's good. That's okay. Yeah, so we'll we'll do that. We'll do that as that. Well, it's got to be something. What do we say on we transporting at home? We say here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so transporting at home. Yeah. The, the skill testing question from more than just code fans is what are you doing when you're at home right or where are you driving i should say right where are you driving Somewhere. when you're at home yeah so so they're driving at home. It, it all comes out of something that jaime misspoke once and became it became a catchphrase on our show mm-hmm. for those of you transporting at home anyway and it's become a catchphrase on this show too anyway so yeah let's move on um yeah so if you're interested in and i'll put a link in the show notes for the uh for the black channel for the one or two people of you out there that wants to join us um all right and so another quick one was uh, again when i was googling around i was trying to look for that that podcast for this friend of mine who finally surfaced and said she would listen to the show so i googled the uh, spotcast and uh, sure enough we showed up again in another list jonathan uh, uh, another uh, list you say another list yes and this is on the player of fm um it's funny because when i when i found it we were like quite high on the list and and i've come back to it now and and we seem to be much lower but this is a like i don't know if it's like their ai does this or their but picard podcasts were listed under which is not surprising um and we're like you know maybe nine or ten um listings in there but anyway we're on the list we were higher on the list when i first found this thing but i don't know how their their algorithm algorithm works but there you go that's it for me on the headlines take it away jonathan cool all right well we got a little bit of, a little bit of a headline here um it was uh, announced 
today that we're going to get a John Wick 5. We already knew we were getting a 4. And, I'm thinking uh, I'm back. Yeah, that's right. He's back, and he's back again. He uh, he will be back. They're going to film episodes uh, 4 and 5, or chapters 4 and 5, I guess, more specifically, because John Wick does a chaptering in its titles, uh, next year, assuming, of course, they can actually get everybody together and safely film. Uh, but that's exciting. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys are fans of the, the franchise, but uh, they're certainly very open-ended at the end of 3 as to where they could go next and uh, to know that they're going to keep uh, rolling them out it's, it's pretty cool yeah that is that is pretty neat um it's just one of those continuing character sort of things where it's kind of like a james bond-esque thing where you can get have adventures but there is a little bit more of a through line from these first three films and kind of curious where they end up taking it for the next ones yeah more dogs more cars more explosions Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing I got in here is uh, we got news this week and in from the world of uh, speaking the world of, of COVID um, that we're going to get Mulan, the anticipated Disney live action adaptation of their cartoon is going to be showing up on Disney Plus instead of in theaters. Uh, this is huge because this is a $200 million movie. They spent a lot of money to make this, and it was expected to be a big tentpole for uh, Disney this summer between doing the Marvel movies and everything else. The fact that they're going to put it onto Disney Plus is a big deal, and it's not quite the same as they did with a few of the other things. They've rolled a few things out quickly over the past few months as we've all been uh, you know, uh, spending more time at home uh, due to the pandemic and we've gotten a little bit more of the uh you know we got frozen 2 came a little faster the the last uh, star wars episode 9 came a little faster uh, the hamilton uh the filming the filmed version of hamilton was supposed to be uh, a theatrical release next year and they ended up putting that on disney plus but this one is 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 the first sort of big budget production that they're going to do that with and what they've decided to do is they're going to charge 29.99 or 29.95 us and then people will have unlimited viewings of it on their disney plus so it doesn't come free with your service it doesn't come under the umbrella of the rest of uh, of what you're paying for but uh it will be available that way and uh, i mean you think about those type of movies especially a disney movie chances are you were going to go you were going to take your kids you know your family all four of you were going to go three four five of you we're going to go uh you know now it's 30 bucks that's probably a lot less than you were going to pay if you were going to go see it in a movie theater now obviously it's not quite the event day out that you would get out of that but at the same time you could argue it's a pretty good value especially because it's now after that it's yours to view as many times as you like and then knowing kids and their disney movies that could be worth it what do you guys think of this trend between yeah i i was gonna say like so is anybody on this show gonna go watch that movie Uh, i wasn't really keen on it because i I'm actually a fan of the original. I thought the original was excellent. Okay. Um, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen the original either. So yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, Disney did a, a sort of a run of really great movies in the nineties. Um, that hold up really, really well. And I think Mulan is one of them. I think that was an, right, a, okay. an outstanding movie um, at the time. So, I mean, obviously, they'll do a good job. I've, I've seen a few of the live action adaptations they've done over the past few years, and they're quite good. But, um, I mean, I love the anima- animated version. So for me, it's not really an enticement. And, and also, you know, again, I have two sons. They're both in their, you know, mid teens. They don't really have a huge interest in that. So 30 bucks for me isn't really worth it. Uh, if it showed up six months from now or, or a year, from now on disney plus i might give it a look but it wasn't really a priority for me that being said if they did it with uh if they did the same thing for the sake of argument with black widow 
I would absolutely pay that. But, oh, you would? Okay. Yeah. Yep. I did watch, I did watch um, the Will Wheaton one. Not, not Will Wheaton. Uh, Will Smith one. Um, Aladdin, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was okay. I watched the Beauty, <laughs> I watched the Beauty and the Beast one. I've seen a few of them. And, and well, I haven't seen that live action one of that yeah, one. Yeah, they're so. fine. They're, you know, they're they're good for what they are. I mean, I, I, again, mm. completely in my mind unnecessary. I think the, the original Beauty and the Beast is a masterpiece. It's, it's beautifully yeah, well-made yeah. movie. I mean, not just a cartoon. It's a well-made movie. Uh, so I didn't think it's necessary, but... But, you know, sure, they want to, you know, people will clearly go. They're making a ton of money off them. So what the hell? How about you, Jaime? Are you, uh, what do you think of this trend? Yeah. So let me, let me talk about the particular movie first and then the trend, because I think the answers are a little different. So um, I have not gone on to Disney Plus. You know, the context for those of you who are following along is it's just me, my significant other. We do not have any children. So for our household, I'm sort of the only one who's interested in Mandalorian. And hmm. the discussions were very, very deep. And we almost crossed the line to subscribe <laughs> for Hamilton. And it just, just didn't make the bar. <laughs> when we talked about it, right? So for me, the the twenty nine, you know, the $30, it's called $30 here, is kind of weird because uh, as I understand it, it's, it is a purchase, but it's a purchase that works as long as you have Disney Plus, which is sort of weird considering mm. that they have movies anywhere that's supposed to let you, you know, buy and then register, you know, from, mm-hmm. from any of the other ones. So I'm a little less clear on how that's supposed to work. Um, and for us, the, the dollars don't really work out as well given that it's a family of two and it'd be better if we had three and, and like the more children or other dependents sort of stuff or roommates or housemates that you have, I think the better it works. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so the math doesn't quite work for us. And it's not, I mean, this is a movie I was interested in watching, maybe might've gone to see it in theaters in, in a non pandemic world. Uh, Cause it is one of those could have maybe made a billion dollars, like some yep. of the other live action uh, redos that Disney has done. Um, but it, it's not, not one that's that's driving me so much now coming back to the trend i think the trend is is kind of interesting because of the pandemic where yes i am stating the math doesn't quite work out but you know what if we started running out of content it's like hey that 30 dollars ain't looking too bad because it's new stuff right there mm-hmm. pretty much haven't been too many movies uh that are that are new for us to be able to to watch um that's not perfectly true but there aren't the normal like summer blockbusters that we would have gotten used to because they've all been delayed uh, mm. for the most part. So I think this trend is interesting because it it has a major property with a major player in the market saying, we're going to go ahead and do this and, and we'll see what happens, right? Like the, the Christopher Nolan movie Tenet is also like trying to figure out, uh, what are we going to do? This is also maybe a billion dollar movie. Uh, what are we going to do? Are we going to do streaming? And, and who knows? Like, I think it very clearly worked very early on in the pandemic when uh, Trolls World Tour came out because that was perfect, right? That's something they're like, hey, kids, uh, I'm trying to work from my cobbled together work from home situation. You go watch that, right? I totally pay the $20 for you to go watch that. It's totally worth it. Sitting here now, as we've gotten more adjusted, I think the math is is trickier, but I do think that this will accelerate the idea of most, eventually most films will be released um, via streaming methods. And then theaters are meant for more like the big blockbuster ones and and maybe revivals of stuff of like hey go see ghostbusters 1984 again oh avengers uh infinity war is back in theaters sort of thing mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I think you're right. I think, you know, it does depend on the content flow. You know, right now we're still getting shows that have been sort of, you know, working on, you know, post-production and some of those things. And they're talking about, a, a, you know, sort of working in the same kind of bubble environment that some sports are working in, trying to get some things going, uh, you know, in, in getting movies going, getting TV shows going. But you're right. I think there's going to start to be a little bit of a dry spell if, uh, if no production's happening for too long. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I just watched a, um, a live stream of a concert um, of, a, of a band that I've seen a number of times, and they just went into a local theater here and, and did a live stream concert. And uh, that was, you know, and that was a pay as you pay what you want kind of thing, like pay nothing or pay what you want. And well, I basically threw them the amount of money I probably would have spent on a ticket to watch it. But yeah, so that's pretty cool. And I think I don't know, are they doing drive-in theaters where you are, Jaime? Because they're doing a lot of those here now, with, where you sit in your car and and watch movies. They are, and I think Walmart is open up its parking lots um oh, really? around the the nation in the usa to do that sort of thing i, I hmm. haven't participated in any of those we've gone in a, in a much harder lockdown than than is guided by our our local state government so i i really don't know i, I mostly stick to the the streaming services uh next we got a couple of obituaries to talk about uh we lost a couple of people this week uh one of which is uh kind of kind of a little bit uh sad for me the the creator of uh that manga Jiro Kawada passed away this week. Um, not everybody's familiar with Bat Manga, but it it's spun out of the 1960s um, sort of Batman craze here in North America, where of course we had the Adam West, uh, very famous campy Batman TV series. And that actually spread all over the world, including in Japan, where American pop culture was very popular. Um, and this artist sort of took that and started doing this very different take on Batman at the time. And it kind of was its own little world within Japan. But uh, but thanks to, of course, the, uh, the you know things like the internet and globalization of, of of information over the past you know 15, 20 years, people have really started to appreciate this as its own sort of take on the character. And there was a gorgeous book that came out probably about ten or 12 years ago, maybe even 14 or 15 years ago, um, that basically assembled as much as they could find of the original run of those books. And it's really, really interesting to see how, you know, the Japanese take on these characters. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is uh, this is somebody who was sort of contributing in his own way to the Batman legacy that, of course, you know, Batman is one of the most iconic characters of all time. And this uh, this guy sort of took it and, and did his own spin for the Japanese audience that was really, really, really neat stuff. So uh, uh, sad farewell to, to Jiro Kawada. And the other uh, death we had this week was Wilford Brimley. Of course, uh, you know, some people remember him for Cocoon, very famous 1980s science fiction film. Um, you know, he was obviously, he was in The Thing, which again, uh, you know, another famous uh, John Carpenter. The other thing that people remember him for, of course, is the, uh, he was the spokesman for uh, Oatmeal for a long time on TV. So, uh, you know, let us all pour a bowl of oatmeal out for, for Wilford Brimley sci-fi actor slash old, <laughs> right. old guy in a lot of movies. One of those voices you never forget. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. I, I remember him saying the diabetes thing. There was like that whole series of commercials that I recall. Oh, is he the spokesperson for diabetes in the United States? For for something. I don't even remember what exactly it was. I don't know if it was some it sort was of the treatment. Way he said diabetes. Awareness. Right? Yeah, instead of saying diabetes, he said diabetes, which was 
it just they showed that uh psa or commercial so often that i just sort of knew him from that before recognizing he was in these other things <laughs> Yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, next? I may. Yeah, this one is interesting in one of those trends as well. So there's an interesting story here about the the Snyder Cut uh, not only existing, as it has long been rumored, but uh, coming to fruition uh, for Justice League and uh, more specifically on HBO Max in 2021. So the HBO Max streaming service apparently has seen how everybody has been clamoring for, hey, you know, Justice League, it, it has some flaws. We we talked about this on this very show and and there is a, a segment of the you know the community of the the fandom that said hey you know maybe part of the reason was Zack Snyder had his vision that didn't come to completion because he had to leave production before he was complete and Joss Whedon was brought on and there's a little bit of a tonal shift in the movie um that, that you can see and there's some reshoots and, and reshoots and other things that we talked about and for a very long time the sort of like studio has claimed like oh no there's there's, there's no way that it doesn't exist uh, apparently there's enough money now to say hey you know what i think we can put together the snyder cut and let's make it an exclusive on hbo max and launch that so i think that's one thing we can talk about i think the other thing that's interesting to talk about is as the pandemic goes on are there other cuts that could be made of other movies just to to fill the airwaves such as they are when you don't have a a, a normal production sort of timeline and, and studio setup you know, could you do things for hey all of these editors working from home uh, could they they start making cuts of other movies Ooh, all right so that opens up a fun kettle of fish what 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 do you want to see what what beyond the snyder cup do you want to see one that, that seemed interesting that people talked about, and I don't know if, if it was on Twitter as a joke or a real thing, but apparently there is a Schumacher cut of Batman Forever that isn't quite <laughs> as weird and campy as, as the one we were presented. So I'm like, sure, I'd, I'd, I'd pay some money to see that because I, I don't believe you. I think you're lying. So this is going to be a show. Uh, and, and more facetiously, I'm like, you know, it's been 20 minutes since we've had a, a, another cut of Blade Runner. So why not? Here's another cut. <laughs> <laughs> you can own a DVD. <laughs> I was going to say Star Wars too, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, Mr. Lucas has done the uh, the cuts, the cuts, cuts, recuts, more cuts. Yeah, yeah. No, I heard something the other day, but there's there's a he has a cut of um, of uh, Rise of the Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker. But anyway, let's, let's leave that where it is. <laughs> so you about the uh, you know a, a Star Wars cut? Because you mentioned it. a Star Wars cut where like you know not only does Greedo shoot first, but there's like actual extra CGI scene where Greedo is looking at Han from across the bar, and he's. Like, I'm totally going to shoot that dude first. A couple of, of very, very pertinent to this podcast topics. Um, during our hiatus, it was announced that uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is going to be one of the new shows that will uh, eventually come out. It will continue the adventures aboard the USS Enterprise with uh, Captain Pike, Spock, and number one. So they've got a nice little video linked to the show notes for those of you transporting at home uh, from CBS All Access on their, their official YouTube channel. I really, really hope that this is available internationally apologize if it's not um so it's got anson mount ethan peck and rebecca romaine you know social distancing videoed themselves from home talking about 
this this show is, is a reality. It's something that people had been wanting for for some time ever since seeing uh, the, those folks do a really good job in, in season two of Star Trek Discovery. So I'm pretty excited to see when this will will come. I, I think it's a, a good deal, and, and it kind of felt like it had to happen because they made those beautiful sets, uh, updated modern sets for the right. bridge of the Enterprise. Like, uh, why not reuse that for something? You know, <laughs> you already spent the budget. So it's not it's not going to be them sitting in a, in a, their own personal spacecraft. <laughs> That's right. Around. They're all going to be on their own <laughs> shuttlecraft for the first season. Yeah. Uh, right, so right. I think the other thing to factor in on this is just, I think, the overwhelming response that uh, Discovery Season 2 had to Anson Mount particularly, but but all three of them in their roles. You know, uh, I think all of us really, really took to uh, to the portrayal of Captain Pike. And, and so I think it's very exciting to one. see that. Yep that we'll get more of that yeah, sure. cool and there was sort of that interplay between number one and spock too which is kind of interesting well they did that one extra the uh the short track right which with the two of right, them yeah, and the uh the elevator the which was, i thought was really yeah. good the turbo the turbo yes. oh we couldn't call it an elevator that's ridiculous no exactly <laughs> especially since it goes sideways too right that's right so. shouldn't it be called a turbo slider if it goes sideways too mm, yeah. yeah and and speaking of discovery during the hiatus we did get uh the teaser and that gives us the official uh, premiere date for season three of Discovery. So that'll be starting up on October 15th of 2020 and apparently goes through to January 7th of 2021. And when you do the math for, um, you know, sort of the main topic of today's show, Star Trek Lower Decks season one, uh, those 10 weeks plus Discovery's what, like 13 weeks, I think it is, uh, adds up to 23 weeks of nonstop Trek for those of you uh, who are following that. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty uh considering how sporadic trek had been prior to discoveries sort of bringing it back to television that's a pretty monumental thing yeah indeed sure. indeed so uh since i live in a country that does not have socialized sci-fi it does mean that i'm subscribing to cbs all access for the next you know half a year which you know which is fine it's fine uh, that's definitely something i enjoy and, and i actually look to see uh, what else do i need to catch up on and i recognize from the play the list is like oh i still have about a season and a half of twilight zone to watch yep. so i'm gonna make use of all my bucks Twilight zone like the black and white one or the no the modern one? one from uh uh Jordan Peele as the executive. Oh, you know, I've only seen a handful of those. I gotta go back and find them and watch them again. Yeah, so. they they are ten episode seasons. Yeah, that's how spoiled we are with our with our socialized Star Trek and sci fi. We just we don't care. We don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, can I give you some cheap prescription drugs? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm waiting for. Is like I'm not going to call in those favors, you know, until I get sick. And it's like, all right, <laughs> need you guys to yeah. ship me something. Call it, you know. <laughs> Whatever gets through customs. <laughs> right, right. So are we jumping to the main part of the show now? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. And it's, uh, it's All a, right, it's a so show. Here it is, the moment fanfare. Woo, doo, 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 doo. Or, wee, Brand new or track. Brand new track, yes. We have some new track, some new anime track. My, when I was a kid, when it was 1973, I was watching the, the animated series. It was like, you know, probably my favorite track until I kind of grew up and watched the rest of it. But uh, yeah, so here we are, the Lower Decks Second Contact, ironically named mm-hmm. season one episode one we're going to talk about that now so. yeah so uh, we'll, we'll keep it really fast because it was a, a pretty tight episode um so we we uh, start off by our first look at the uh, uss cerritos and uh we are 
introduced to uh, Ensign Boimler, who is uh, giving his captain's log, and uh, he is rudely interrupted by Ensign Mariner, who uh, quickly points out that uh, the Ensign should not be doing a captain's log since he's an Ensign, and uh, it turns out to be, of course, a big joke that he's practice, practicing his captain's logs in the closet. Um, you know, quite a, quite a funny little gag. Um, and, you know, sets a nice tone. So we know we're going to get in, you know, the goofier, the lighter side of, of the Star Trek universe. Um, so turns out that they're at this uh, uh, space Starfleet space dock. They're at Douglas Station. They're getting ready for the second contact mission with the Gallardonians. Uh, this uh, race, they're going in. They've already done the first contact. Now they're going in to sort of, you know, start building on the relationship with this uh, alien race. Do the paperwork. Get the get that, Exactly. Yeah. Which, again, was a very funny way to put it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so then we, of course, get to a little taste of who uh, Ensign Boimler and Ensign Mariner are. Boimler is a little bit uptight. He is sort of, you know, by the book. He is clearly enamored of the whole sort of Starfleet life. Uh, yeah, he's the rimmer. Yeah, right? very much very much the sycophant for the for the Starfleet uh, way of life. Uh, whereas we have Ensign Mariner, who's very much more, uh, you know, sort of flippant and glib and, uh, you know, sort of horsing around. She is chugging a bottle of Romulan whiskey. She's got a, a big container filled with weapons, including a uh, Klingon Batleth, uh, which she proceeds to whip out and start, you know, waving around and pretending she's a Klingon until she, of course, <laughs> drives it into Ensign Boimler's leg, um, taking a rather large chunk out of it, uh, which immediately prompted in my mind as tis but a flesh wound. Um, <laughs> I also like there was a little reference where she says, I got it, I got it off this guy with an eye patch. And I was like, which Klingon had the eye patch? Right. I don't know right, if anybody yeah. else got got that one but uh christopher Plummer. yeah i mean like, conceivably given their long life but i went to you know how strictly you think about eye patch i, I went with martok although that's sort of yeah, less yeah, that, accurate that thing. Right? yeah 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 because he has his eye missing right Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to sort of, uh, again, it gives you a, a sense of what you're going to get with the show. I think it was a really nice sort of nod to, you know, you know, this universe, the gags are going to be set in this universe. It's going to be a whole thing. Um, and, and of course, we are all armed with that information, so they can really go a lot of different ways. Um, so then we get introduced to uh, Tindy. Tindy is a green skin alien and she uh, teleports. And of course, she's a real keener. She's really excited to be aboard the ship. Uh, she's excited to be working, you know, on this you know in this world and uh and then we meet uh rutherford ensign rutherford who is cybernetically enhanced so he's got uh you know looks like his eye and part of his head have been uh, cybernetically augmented and uh he's having a little tough time controlling his cybernetic implants and it's making him uh a little bit erratic um i think he says at one point it's a vulcan implant too right yes he does yeah, yeah. so uh he acts a little acts a little vulcan at times so uh quickly boimler and uh and mariner take tindy around to shore the uh, the ship uh or tendy i should say tendy and um of course you know he wants to take her to see the warp core and mariner says no no you don't want to see the warp core you want to see the holodeck so they take her down to see the holodeck and they go and they visit you know uh hawaii and then they go and visit her home planet and then as soon as boiler leaves the room because he gets called up to the bridge uh they go immediately to the nude olympic training program uh which again is 
what you'd imagine everyone would do if they had access to a holodeck. Right. Yes, and this is an awfully realistic uh, representation. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> um, so then we get uh, Boimler goes up to the bridge and meets with Captain Freeman, and Captain Freeman is a very you know uh, very Starfleet, the kind of Starfleet we recognize, the Starfleet that's very formal and and serious, um, you know, very you know officious type person, and uh, and she calls Boimler into his into her office and says, you know, hey, I want you to keep an eye on Mariner. Uh, you know, she's, you know, if she breaks any rules, I want you to come and tell me, and I want you to keep this between you and me. I don't know about you guys, but immediately I was like, well, clearly that's her kid or her niece or something. Oh, did you oh, really? God, yeah, like 100%. So like, as soon as she said that, oh. I was like, clearly that's like, there's some kind of connection there. Um, oh, okay. And uh, yeah, and then, of course, while this is going on, they're, they're, uh, they're doing their first contact or second contact with this alien race. Um, the uh, first officer, who's commander ransom that's jerry o'connell canada's own jerry o'connell um who gets back to the ship and he's got a lump on his neck and of course you know anybody who's seen a few star trek episodes know this is not going to go well and <laughs> in the middle of uh rutherford has a date uh and a sort of a 10 forward kind of bar on the ship mm-hmm. there is a outbreak of whatever it is that had attached itself to uh to commander ransom and then it starts to infect the ship everybody becomes sort of zombified they're spraying black goo out of their chests and all of vomiting all over each other and uh, it's really quite a quite a gross scene um and then uh we're cutting back and forth between what's happening on the ship where it's starting to get overrun by these uh these aliens and down on the planet we've got uh mariner and um boimler are down there and there uh boimler is keeping an eye on mariner it looks like mariner is up to no good so he checks in and uh he thinks that she's selling weapons to the locals and and then accuses her and it turns out it's actually farm equipment that she's trying to sort of help these people who are starving to uh give them some farm equipment and so they don't have to wait around for their trade agreements and all the paperwork to be signed and the t's crossed and the i's dotted before they can get the stuff that they need uh and while that's going on they accidentally end up face to face with a rather gigantic spider creature on the planet that mm-hmm. starts chasing them down and uh and we start to learn a little again a little bit more about the dynamic between the two of them a little bit more about uh you know she's a risk taker she's she thinks outside the box he's very sort of straight laced let's get the heck out of here um there's a, a couple of really good jokes about you know you can't hurt the poor thing maybe they're using it for milk you'll spoil the milk right. if you rough it up you'll, you'll spoil the milk and of course you know uh boimler's disgusted oh my god there's no way there's no way no, no way and of course that turns to be the case um cut back to the ship and uh you know uh tendy is in the uh, medical bay and she's helping out she's trying to help the people to stop the you know infection she's working with the doctor uh dr tana who is in there she's a cat creature of some kind cat humanoid uh not like the character from red dwarf and she is very serious she's very mccoyish she's she's got a real sort of gruff doctory personality and she is telling them you know strap them down and she's you know sort of bossing tendy around and says you know here do do me a favor and uh and you know hold this and and pump it and she's holding on to one of the one of the characters' hearts and is pumping the heart yeah. for and he's going, and he's ow, going ow, ow that's my heart ow ow um they go down to uh, back down to the planet the spider ends up to be a pretty big gentle creature it starts suckling on boimler not actually trying to hurt him um covering him in this sort of mucus uh, pink slime 
all over himself and uh and when they get beamed back up to the ship they find out of course that that goo is actually the antidote for whatever it is that's gotten aboard the ship they rush him to sick bay they get that off and then they use that to make a cure uh of course the reaction from commander ransom was hilarious where they they of course give him the antidote first he comes back and you know he's growling and snarling and then he turns back to himself and says was i eating people how much flesh did i eat (laughs) yeah yeah uh um, and of course the crew, you know, the command crew sort of pats themselves in the back job. Well done. We, we couldn't have done it without ourselves. We're all heroes. And, and we know that really it was the lower decks crew that sort of helped save the day there. Um, mm-hmm. sort of setting us up for, you know, they're going to be the unsung heroes of all this. And, uh, and Tindy particularly is pretty happy where they sort of say, you know, how are you, are you okay? Everything. And she said, I got to hold a heart. Like she's really excited about the experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course it's, it's confirmed. Boimler goes back up to uh, Freeman's office once it's all cleaned up and uh, she sort of says so was Mariner doing something bad on the planet he uh, having bonded a little bit with her with Mariner says no no she was fine she wasn't doing anything and uh, so he gets dismissed and then we we see that Freeman is talking with uh, an admiral who's clearly her partner and uh, then it turns out she reveals that yes Mariner is in fact her daughter and uh, Boimler is is happy that uh, or Mariner is happy that Boimler didn't rat her out so she decides she's going to be his mentor. She's going to help him to get where he wants to go with his career. And um, yeah, and that sets the stage for where we're going next. Like a couple of things. One is that Tawny Newsom is is also uh, a key character in Space Force. Um, I don't know if you knew that or not, but um, he's one of the central characters there. But interesting that they've chosen another African-American type character to be the sort of lead of this show. And I'm just looking, basing that on the on the actual poster for the, for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's got the sort of typical you know um layout of of um like they do in the start you know star wars kind of things where they have the the faces of the people mm-hmm. and she's she's got the most prominent position at the top and then you know boimler's got the second position and um the other two aliens as well yeah uh, i i really i enjoyed the sort of the sort of python-esque sort of play where the um rutherford and his date are, mm-hmm. are, disca- are are more interested in what's going on with the date than the entire ship falling apart around them yeah good point that was kind of an interesting little little vehicle there that ran all the way like all the way through like to the point where except for the fact when he gets to the end and he says he says like she says the the um and he says how was the date he goes well it was great until i realized that she didn't care about the diagnostic that i was trying to run yeah. or whatever like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and she's and and noel wells who's plays tendy says totally 100 percent agree with that you know kind of yeah. like, how could she, yeah. how could how she, could not, she not like that yeah 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 so interesting and also that uh, I, I was trying to figure out who these people are and jack quaid quaid obviously being a name you think of uh, in the industry he's actually the, the son of meg ryan and um dennis quaid right oh hmm. yeah so he's related to all the quades you know the quades quades there's quite a number of quades hmm. mm-hmm. i mean um it wasn't rick and morty it wasn't futurama um Jaime, while you were away Jaime and i were looking at some of the reviews that people were were lambasting the show with hmm. um but uh um i didn't uh, you know i i, I like it when things don't take themselves too seriously which this doesn't you know it doesn't it's sort of the funnier side of i mean even the lower decks episode in tng takes itself a bit seriously yeah. right yeah um but this this kind of sort of doesn't this is sort of plays fun with it and i like i like um 
from uh, Ensign Mariner's uh, attitude towards the stuffiness of of Star Trek and the protocol. She talks about the protocols, and you know they're always worried about this and directives and all that kind of stuff. And it you know it sounds like you know I, in, in retrospect she's rebelling against her parents, you know, but um, that she and she seems to have a real aptitude for this stuff. Like she seems to be like on the ball, even though she's she seems to be a loose cannon as she's portrayed in the story. And Bumbler is looking for is it Bumbler? Yeah, it is Bumbler, isn't it? A Bumbler. Boimler. Boimler. Yeah. He's he's sort of looking he's looking at, at he's looking for her to be doing things wrong because he's that's been set up in his mind, right? And our minds as well. And yet when you look at what she's doing, she's actually you know, she's actually going above and beyond and sort of using the sort of um her position to help the farmers, you know, as what like what she's doing with the with the what we think is weapons at first, right? Turns out to be farm implements and she's trying to help them and uh, deal with their stuff. So I, you know, it's plausible, it's possible. I I really enjoyed the sort of you know the the space shots, you know, with the ships and stuff and all that kind of that kind of tweaked the sort of sci-fi nut in me that wants to see the you know the little model with the smoke coming out of it, kind of you know sci-fi perspective, you know. Yeah, the opening um, uh, the opening credits were actually pretty darn funny too. The uh, sort of everything you know they're in all these situations that the normally you'd see a, a Federation starship in, and yet they're also yeah. you know running away and running into running trouble and crashing yeah. into things and yeah i mean again yeah. it's, it's certainly as a as a first episode i think you really get a taste of the tone they're going for yeah, for, for me, I liked it. I do caveat it by saying that uh, I am a Rick and Morty fan, and, and I think you're right. This is definitely not Rick and Morty. It is somewhat more in that flavor than, you know, it's certainly closer to that than it is to the Star Trek animated series in the 1970s, right? It's um, it's a bit punchier, a little bit more uh, comedic, but it's not, uh, it's not as, it's definitely not pessimistic the way that, that Rick and Morty is, right? Rick and Morty is very... There is a connection to Rick and Morty, though, right? I'm, I'm right about that. Isn't there some production? or showrunner or something like that, they do have writer. something in common that i i forget but you're right so so the styles of some of their of like some of the the, the quick beats the the like blink and you'll miss them uh references to other things i, I think you'd have to go with a fine-tooth comb to find all of the canon references they've made um and i i enjoyed how it was uh it was you know it, it's kind of similar-ish if we can say to like the orville in some respects but animated right where like we said the Orville is, you know, like an homage to uh, to '90s TNG, and and this kind of feels like that too, right? It even takes place in roughly the same time period, just right, a yeah. little bit after Star Trek Nemesis. It has the 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 designs of the ship and the uniforms and the sounds and everything else. Uh, definitely feel a lot closer to that than they do, you know, the time jump that we've seen in Picard or the bigger time jump coming up for uh, season three of Discovery. So it, it's got sort of a, a nice little area that he can play with um jonathan mentioned the the intro uh, i really love the fact when they they show in the intro these borg cubes fighting these romulan warbirds and the ship just sort of nopes out of there <laughs> and runs away <laughs> right it's like our, the uss cerritos is, is apparently not not ready for for that sort of battle right and mm. and that was really cool and uh since it is animated they can do things like like the doctor my understanding i, I i've not really watched the animated series the doctor is the same kind of cat species that was shown in the animated series because you mm -hmm. you don't have a special effects budget right you don't yep. you don't have to get um wow i'm doing really bad for getting saru's name but you don't have to get uh, uh yeah you don't have to get doug jones you know all all gussied up in in makeup to do that sort of character that character is just as easy to draw as as a human
human being is. So that's, it's nice. It's fun. Uh, quick couple of things that I noticed that were, um, uh, points of interest. One, uh, Cerritos, I, I looked up what the translation is. That means small or little hills, which I think is quite appropriate for, for what it is. It's kind of a, uh, you know, a humble sort of name for, uh, for a ship. And then I think appropriate for the crew that we're going to follow. And Commander Ransom is, I believe, the same character as Captain Ransom, who is mentioned in Star Trek Picard. Oh. That's my belief. I think that's too, I don't know if that's confirmed anywhere in any media, but that is too close given the time period. To, to be a coincidence, I think. Well, I think it'll be fun to sort of play along with that and see if it goes forward. I, I do like that um, uh, uh, Jerry O'Connell, I think, is now he's married to Rebecca Romaine, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. So now they're both working in the Trek universe. Man, that's wild. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Canadian uh, actor does good. I mean, he, first there was Stand By Me. Now he's married to Re- Rebecca Romaine. Like, that's we keep track of that stuff up here. <laughs> in your newsletter. Canadian, that's right. Canadian in the Canadian news letter on the canadian internet but he has a he has a canadian uh tv show as well that he just did recently like a, mer- a mystery thing where he's a sort of cop or something like that i watched a few episodes of that this year but he's been, he's been in a number of things he was he, wasn't he like a american great american hero or something like that or, or well he i mean sliders was on for years i mean that's his sci-fi bona fides right there sliders no he was he was in this other show he used to watch in the 70s it was in the, the 70s no in the 80s he was 80s, the my 80s, was it my science something or other there was a one he was on with when he here in Canada when he was a kid, yeah, 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 yeah he was a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he's uh, he's say what you will. Jerry O'Connell's had like a thirty-plus year career in Hollywood. Like that's there's nothing to sneeze at. Mm-hmm. Um, I just to, to touch back on the uh, we were talking about the connection between Rick and Morty. It's uh, so the writer the the creator of the show Mike McMahon and the writer of the first episode. He is the head writer for Mc, Rick and Morty. So that's oh, okay. what the connection yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. yeah. So. Well, he's the creator of the show, right? So. Of this, yeah. I mean, alongside, of course, Alex Kurzman, who does, uh, who's the sort of over over boss of all of these new Star Trek uh, CBS programs. So Jerry O'Connell was in Crossing Jordan. I remember Crossing Jordan. I remember Crossing Jordan. Yeah, yeah. He's the sort of. Are, are we going down the the uh, Jerry O'Connell? I just, I'm scrolling I, through IMDb. his sliders. Yeah, you mentioned sliders. I'm looking. I'm just looking, I'm scrolling through his IMDb. I'm just going to get back to the <laughs> My Secret Identity. That's the one. My Secret oh, Identity. Yeah, yeah. As a yeah. classic. He's quite young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that was I think he did that just after he did uh, Stand By Me again that's right. iconic role in, in Stand By Me of course 91 that was mm-hmm. um, yeah no I think this show was, was really excellent I think um, you know I wasn't sure how the tone would match because Trek does take itself a little seriously there's certainly funny scenes in Trek but it tends to overall take itself pretty seriously although I feel like the new stuff as much as it gets maligned for being the sort of darker side the humor is it may be darker but it's certainly more prevalent I think um, it's certainly not the Orville, although it's it's Orville esque in that there is sort of an irreverence. But I mean, that's not the right word because there is a reverence. Like the humor is based on your knowledge of Trek. It's based on your love of that world. It's based on on sort of you know taking pokes at something that we're all very familiar with and very much care about, uh, but not in a cruel way. It's very much like you know, haha, look at this Star Trek reference. You know, like it's 
it's kind of endearing in that way. I was I was sort of heartened that they if they had gone a little too Rick and Morty on it, it would have been too cynical and too um, nihilistic for the Trek universe. That's true. And by the same token, though, Trek does tend to take itself a little too seriously. Like like Exhibit A, the Star Trek, the Star Trek, the movie pic- motion. Yes. Picture. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that that was so pretentious. Mm. And then, but then, um, how many movies later? Like by the time you get to the Star Trek Four and Star Trek Six. Well, and, and, and then, you know. then you get the you get the sort of you get the yes you get the undiscovered country where yeah. you know Christopher Plummer says you you have to enjoy Shakespeare in the original Klingon yeah. you know little little jabs like that and you get the sort of data with his his uh, humor chip and, well and the double dumbass on his, you and you know there's just there's, yeah, there yeah. They, there are certainly more sprinklings as it moves on I think they sort of humanize themselves a little bit more I did find it yeah. interesting that given especially that we've now seen two seasons of uh, Discovery and we've seen one season in the Picard where swearing has become prevalent in the Star Trek right. universe right. that this show is bleeped. Oh, was it, it, bleeped? Was bleeped. it was bleeped. They, oh. they clearly oh. said expletives a couple of times, at least twice in the show. Okay. And hmm. I was somewhat surprised, although not entirely, because I, I do imagine they're going after a slightly younger audience. Well, you were you were talking, so you watched it on Crave today. I watched it on Crave mm-hmm. 2, right? The streaming version, mm-hmm. right? And Because I didn't notice that anything was bleeped, but I didn't notice anything. It was I didn't notice any, any F-bombs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think but, it was uh, it was more of a, an S bomb, but yeah, like I don't, I was kind of a little bit surprised, but then you know, I guess that would have been more to the Rick and Morty side too if they had. had so that. let me ask you something. So so I watch Rick and Morty a lot on TV, and it's bleeped on TV. Is it? Ble- I can't remember if it's bleeped when you watch it on iTunes. I don't think so. I think it's unrated on iTunes. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, because the funny iTunes. thing about the funny thing about the show is for me is is the bleeping like like that. There's so it's so ex- the swearing is so excessive in Rick and Morty that the bleeping actually works for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I think if I just actually heard them say the words out loud, I, I don't know if I would, you know, I have to go back and watch that because I think you gave me the first three seasons, I mm-hmm. think. Right. Um, I have to go back and watch those again to, to see the difference, because I do notice it's, that Rick and Morty is bleeped for sure yeah. when I watch it on um, um, Belt Swing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No, I have to go back and watch this uh, you, again. Like, you know, um, there are some cartoons and some animation animated series that I only ever have to watch once. In fact, some I've never even watched because I have no interest in mm-hmm. them. This is something I could, if it was on, I would watch it again. Like, you know, and probably, I probably will watch it again after we're done taping today, just, you know, for for science, you know, just to, to see what, what I notice again. But yeah, it, it was interesting. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't compelling. Like I didn't feel glued to the television and stuff like that, but, uh, but did, it did keep my attention and, and it was interesting, you know. It would be really it's hard, I think, to, to be more enticing in a 23 minute or whatever it works out to be 24 minute mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. I think they've got enough hooks there to sort of whet your appetite and make you want to come back i was reading a review earlier from a blog that i enjoy and they got advanced uh viewing of the first four episodes and they said when you watch them like that when you watch like episode 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 um they said it's even more enjoyable like that really helped them get a sense of all Mm -hmm. of what they're trying to do and they said you know like please don't judge it on the first episode stick with it it's it gets better and there's a lot of heart and laughs all mixed together it is very trekky uh so you know again i I, not that the three of us weren't going to be in no matter what but um 
you know, if, if people are, are listening to this and, and, and disagree with our take on it, you know, I, I do think, especially given the format of the smaller uh, uh, show length, I think you got to give a few episodes before you really judge what they're doing here. Because the first episode's got a lot of lifting guys? to do, right? You got to introduce the characters, you got to introduce the humor. You, like, there's, there's only so much you can do in one episode, right? Yeah. So, can I be honest with you guys? Mm. And I think it, this will come as no surprise to the two of you, but I enjoyed this more than the entire series of The Orville. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm I'm okay with that. It's not like offensive in any way. I think um you know when we were talking about some of the differences between uh, the format that Discovery and, and as it as it turns out Picard were going for um sort of the big budget um uh you know very intense dramas. The Orville is more like a 90s era TNG and I think that this show feels closer to being like uh, 90s era TNG in in tone uh, even though it does have sort of the influences of something like a Rick and Morty right so I I do think it is very uh, very positive so if you've been you know it's sort of hesitant from some of the more uh, darker and serious sort of tones that you've got out of Discovery and Picard I think you should give this a try because this is going to feel a whole lot lighter and it is only uh, a half hour show to 20 some minutes so it, it's it's putting a lot out there in smaller chunks and i think other than star trek the animated series this is by far one of the shortest uh intros to like the whole cast that we're gonna meet and also had to tell sort of a normal story uh instead of a, a two-part you know two-hour premiere so i think mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty well done when yeah, you look at yeah. it from that angle like i got a decent idea of all of the crew that we're gonna deal with sure we are gonna see more like we didn't see that much about um Shax, i think his name is the yep. the security officer who looks to be bajoran and like a total Mm -hmm. like warrior dude like that looks interesting so i look forward to see what he does in future episodes but they gave me enough to get okay i get an idea of who he is and and his role on the ship which i think again pretty well done for 22 23 minutes Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that in every series of star trek early on in the show in the series there's always a show where everybody on the ship gets infected Mm -hmm. in fact i just watched i've been watching enterprise you know on friday nights i think it's on right when i'm editing my other podcast and last week was the episode where everybody gets infected and, and only to Paul doesn't seem to be quite as infected as everybody else. Even, even the doctor becomes infected so much so that they, like he's starting to start to take, take wants to take apart Mayweather to figure out what, what's, you know, why he's not, you know, ailing or whatever, right? But yeah, it, and you know, there was the, the episode with Sulu with the sword and, you know, the, they all get that sort of sweat. It's almost like COVID, right? They, they get something on them that just affects all of them, right? So, and it's amazing that they did this in the first episode, right? Yep. Where there's so much mayhem going on just because of this, you know, zombification. But again, it's yeah. it's that kind of stuff that works, right? It's sort of the, you know, how do we get out of this huge crisis? Oh, you know, of course, it's the unlikely hero. And, you know, again, there's, there's, it's not to say there's not without formula, but it works. You know, I think as far as a first episode goes, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, certainly, I want to see more that you're right. I think there's, you know, we, we, we see some potential in the characters and the dynamics and the relationships you know they're obviously setting setting some stages and stuff like that but yeah i mean it, it, irrespective of how this first episode turned out i was going to be in for watching it just to sort of you know follow along but I, i'm i'm looking forward to it now Wait. i also love cool. I, I wanted to raise a uh, flag um Rutherford, the character with the uh, the cybernetic implant, is voiced mm-hmm. by Eugene Cordero, who was a recurring character on Good Place. He was Pillboy. 
Pillboy uh, was, okay. was okay. Uh, Jason's best friend in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, he had some of the best dopey lines in all of the good place. So really nice to see his career moving along and, and getting something like this. Cool, yeah, cool. Cool. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the watch list. So we'll wrap this guy up. Jonathan, you're up first. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, we've been watching a lot of stuff. Uh, lots of good, lots of good stuff to get through during uh, the the quarantine, and then now even when we're just sort of you know restricted a little bit. Uh, one of the things that has just popped on to Netflix that I'm really looking forward to getting into hopefully uh, this weekend is Umbrella Academy season two. Uh, I found that show. I, I was a fan of the comic from day one. I really enjoyed that work. Uh, it's a Dark Horse comic, which I highly recommend people read, um, whether or not you're a fan of the show. But the first season I thought was really, really interesting. Uh, filmed here in Toronto, so it's very recognizable for people who uh, know Toronto. But it's also um, just a really good cast and very idiosyncratic, different take on sort of the superhero thing. Very, you know, uh, you know people with a lot of complex issues, relationships, stuff going on, like very, very, um, you know, deep pool of stuff. And then the actors, I thought, uh, really, really nailed that first season, really got the characters, really had some fun with it. It, you know, again, a dark sense of humor really doesn't take itself entirely too seriously. Some good blowing up stuff. Uh, yeah, I think it, the first season was great. So I'm really curious to see. Uh, I know they did model the second season after the second uh, miniseries or volume, if you're reading it in trade paperbacks uh which sort of sees them travel back to the 1960s and uh and have some adventures there i'm really curious to see uh how they do that on on the screen versus uh, in the book so definitely gonna dig into that and uh and I, i'm curious to see where it goes okay. yeah um for me one show that i watched on apple tv plus was mythic quest raven's banquet this is the one starring um mac because i can't remember his real name from it's always sunny in philadelphia <laughs> Uh, as yep. as one of the main characters and actually a fair amount of uh, It's Always Sunny uh, actors show up in this one. Uh, it's about the uh, the video game studio who was, uh, you know, going through, through sort of wacky work-life stuff. And they actually were one of the shows who did a uh, quarantine edition episode as a special episode as sort of after the fact, after their first season was done. And it was brilliant because it fit in quite well with uh, not only staying true to the characters, but also so it, it sort of made sense given uh, what they do as a software development company that, that could sort of hypothetically be prepared, uh, you know, in a in a real way to do that sort of work. So, so I enjoyed that. I'd say check it out on uh, on Apple TV Plus. It's a really good uh, good show. Uh, and if you don't, so that's Rob McElroy, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep. Um, and he's a show creator, I think. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. And and the uh, the the CEO is uh, Rickety Crickets from. <laughs> Sunny and Philadelphia. Again, another actor whose name I don't actually know. Um, <laughs> but something else that I thought was was fun to watch that's uh, uh, fresher and newer in case, uh, you know, I was a little bit behind on the Apple TV Plus stuff. Um, Transformers War for Cybertron on Netflix is is really pretty good. So it's um, 3D animated, but the character designs are done in the um, style more like the 1980s Gen 1 Transformers. Uh, same sort of kind of characters. And it's really kind of cool because they've they've taken that 
sort of starting point and made it uh, a little bit darker. So I, I uh, as an adult and, and having the nostalgia factor, I'm like, wow, this is really good. I'm like, I wonder what sort of age level I would feel appropriate watching this with. Uh, I, I think it might be a little too intense for like five-year-olds, mm-hmm. but maybe that like eight to 10 is sort of that sweet spot of like the lowest you would go because it's it's not bloody. I mean, these are still robots, but it's it's not the pew, pew, pew. Oh, they miss each other half the time sort of thing <laughs> that you see in the, the 80s cartoon. This is like, no, like hands get cut off. People get shot in the chest sort of thing. Um, it's a little bit more intense. And they did make it a little bit more sort of gritty and realistic where the characters, instead of um, being completely clean like they are in the, the, the TV cartoon for the 80s, it's like, no, there are scratches to the paints. So they have dents. They have cracks. It looks like they've been, you know, fighting each other in this war. And it's it's, it's pretty nifty. It's uh, this first chapter is six episodes. I want to say they're like 25 minutes each. So it's actually a pretty good, easy to watch in an afternoon sort of thing if you're looking to binge. Hmm. Cool. All right. Enjoy. The, during the sort of lockdown between Picard and and uh, Lower Decks, I've watched a number of things, um, obviously, but uh, in the sci-fi vein, um, one of the things I watched was Avenue Five, which we haven't really talked about on this show, which is an interesting sort of comedy sci-fi thing. I don't know if you guys have seen watched it at all, but it's it's worth a look. And Space Force, so that's a Hugh Larry Hugh Laurie vehicle. It's it's funny, sort of you know um, about a, a sort of a, a, a cruise ship traveling through space. Mm-hmm. you know in the future um space force is another one i think it's uh, the name is actually something that i think president trump started a f- an actual space force um i don't know which came first but uh this is this is um uh steve corral's um vehicle about running a sort of a new agency from nasa um plays around with a sort of going to the moon kind of trip um that uh, that we've we've seen in other shows recently um the, the thinking of the apollo one that's on um apple tv um interesting show uh and and as i mentioned that uh, our our hero from um, Lower Decks, uh, what's her name? Tony Tony yeah. Tony Newsom. Tony Newsom is is a key character. She's not one of the main characters, but she's she actually plays a pilot, and she plays the 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 um, director's pilot, uh, and she's an army person, and she she has a quite pivotal pivotal role in the whole series of Space Force too. And uh, they both sort of end on cliffhangers, which kind of lead you to think that um, there might be a season two. But you know, I think if there isn't a season two, you won't be crushed. But they're, they're still worth worth watching um but surprise 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 i mean we talked about the expanse season four being picked up by uh amazon prime months and months ago um i watched all three seasons of the expanse when it was on that was like the expanse and, and dark matter and killjoys were three shows that i really enjoyed um but the expanse was good it was it was sort of a new take on the sort of whole spacefaring thing um it's about you know people from earth are, are sort of referred to as the inner and then there's people who work on the asteroid belts. They're called belters. And there's a sort of real class division between, you know, the people who've gone off and forged off a new life and, and the ones who stayed on Earth and that kind of stuff. And, you know, the United Nations kind of runs the whole show. Um, went along for three years, has a really interesting plot, you know, sort of starts off as a mystery, kind of this sort of this, uh, I think I call it protoplasm or something like that. There was some sort of, you know, thing that, that introduces a new sort of life energy to the world or to the universe. Um, um, there's some interesting sort of twists and, you know, characters get leave the show early, but kind of sort of come back.
back later in sort of, I'm going to say flashback, but not really flashbacks. You have to watch the show to, to sort of see it. So, you know, I was a little disappointed when it, when it got cancelled, of course, you know, and then, you know, I hadn't really paid attention much when it got picked up and it's been on Amazon probably for about almost, I, I don't know, it might even have been a whole year, right? Since I started watching, but, you know, I was looking for something to watch the other day and, you know, gone through all the movies that came out on, on Amazon Prime recently and I saw, well, you know, let me sit down and watch The Expanse and I sat down and watched it and um, I didn't quite binge it, but I probably over like three or four nights kind of finished it off. It's 10 episodes and it is really good. Like it is better than the entire series and and just in a completely different way. But I mean, if you if you watch the first three seasons, it's great. You know, like I think I think it does finish off if if nothing else, if, if they they kind of leave it at a point in the end of the episode or the end of the series where it could carry on or it could sort of be concluded. Right. So uh, but it's but production value really, really good. I'm glad that Amazon picked it up, put some money into it because they did a really good job on this on this last season, season four. So if this is season five, that's that's, you know, a bonus. Right. But yeah, if you're if you were into the expanse at all or if you're and they're based on a series of novels by an author, I forget his name, but uh, there's a whole expanse series. And I don't know where they fit into that canon. But but yeah, it's definitely an interesting, interesting, interesting show. Yeah. And that's it for me. So, um, yeah. So I guess that's it for this week. And uh, so if uh, people want to get in touch with you, Jonathan, where do they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. And Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you. I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. And I also am on Twitter. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on Twitter Machine is where you'll find me. So until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is John Luke Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. So you know what I got during this pandemic, but I haven't mentioned either of you. I, I, I told Xavier. Herpes? That, well, hopefully not. I talked to Xavier <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago, but maybe about three weeks ago. I said, listen, mm-hmm. you you just turned 17. It's time. You have to watch Firefly. Or, oh, wow. or we're going to start mocking you the way we do, Tammy. Yeah, and yeah. he said, okay, that's that's fine. I hear it's good. You and Grandpa always talk about mm-hmm. it. We should, we should totally sit down mm-hmm. and watch that. Like, okay, fine. So we are now one episode from finishing that and then the movie oh, from finishing okay. that. And it only took about two, maybe three episodes. And he sort of turned to me and said, how did they cancel this? This is so good. <laughs> well, first of all, did you show it to me in the wrong order like they did us? I, I did not. I did not uh, did not do the, the Fox out of order thing. I, I did show 
show him the you know, or explain to him that there was you know this whole scenario where they of course you know they really badly screwed up the order and everything else and uh, mm-hmm. yeah he was just uh, yeah he just doesn't doesn't understand he's like you know I thought at first the whole sort of sci-fi mixed with western was really weird but like the humor is mm. great and the cast is great and I just don't understand how this couldn't succeed and I said you are welcome to the brown coats sir we're we're always happy to yeah, have new yeah. members yeah so <laughs> we aim to misbehave yeah the, the it's funny because you know i see the i see the stars of this show on other shows mm. and i watch them just because they were on firefly yep. you know and i want them to be as good as they were on firefly they're not all always you know like uh rena baccarin has been on a, on v and a few yeah, she was in gotham for a while yeah yeah gotham yeah exactly um and you know i watched those and, and again you know i i really like her as an actress mm-hmm. but but yeah she still wasn't like that character was so good and uh, the mechanic what's Jewel her name? State, um, yeah she's canadian Jewel, yeah she's yeah is she yeah, oh, yeah. Jewel, and so is yeah. mouse so is, uh yeah yeah I, I watched a fair number of, of uh, castle episodes but not, a, not not the entire series but yeah. and i watched i've watched the entire series of the rookie mm-hmm. right and I, it's funny I, you know if i if i had two minutes to talk to him nathan Gillian. Gillian, yeah if i had a chance to, to speak to him i would ask him how are you going to go back and do the rookie season two after all the stuff that's gone down during the pandemic with protests yeah and, well i don't know if you guys saw that the brooklyn 99 the writers of brooklyn 99 yeah. said they basically threw out all of their scripts for the season they were going to work on because they want to rewrite them really? all because they don't fit tonally now which yeah, was, yeah i mean this is it i mean like the, the whole the whole gist of the la police force is all about you know everything by the book and mm-hmm. you know, there are you know there are a few cops that, that bend the rules and break the rules and whatever but but this guy rookie you know he's a, he's a old it's like the natural he's an older guy coming back to the whole the whole thing mm-hmm. right and becoming a rookie as as a, an older gentleman right in his 40s right but you know how pure and honest and whatever the the whole police force is I and mean, like after what we've seen happening and still happening today yep. you know like i'm looking at you portland um you know just craziness mm-hmm. right so yeah i craziness. think anything with a police show now is is gonna have to really think hard about how they portray that world which is funny because I mean, like, if you think about it, like, I, I stopped watching cop shows because there's just too many of them, and they're all the same, right? You know, well, it's a formula. I watched, right? yeah. yeah, I mean, I watch things like Luther, and, and I like the British shows mm-hmm. because they sort of have a they take a different perspective on things, mm-hmm. right? But but again, at the end of the day, it's always the same, you know, same sort of thing, like superheroes without capes, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. and they're just they're. I mean, in real life, they don't seem to be. Yeah, right? but then there has been. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched The Wire. The Wire took a bit of a a different look at the cops and what they were willing to do yeah. uh, you know working on the street level and stuff like that like I thought that was a really yeah, sort a of unvarnished look at, at the cops as yeah that's a show I have to get back into oh, I, I watched season one so good so good yeah, I have to go back and the other one is the uh, yeah, NYPD Blue right that was sort of one of the famous ones mm-hmm. that sort of started that trend of you know not all the cops are angels kind of look at, at things and uh, what was the mm-hmm. one with uh, Michael Chiklis um, oh yeah but Hill Street Blues was, was, was good too that was another one where the cops weren't all pure yeah. and cold. Yeah. But I mean, again, it's, I, I understand, obviously, you know, it's, it's easy to cast them in a heroic light. And certainly there are many officers, uh, working police forces who can be viewed that way. But 
as we know, you know, uh, particularly, um, you know, in some parts of the world, you know, that's not how people view the police officers. And certainly, uh, you know, I'm obviously using my uh, inherited bias of being a, a Caucasian man, you know, like I'm, that's the person I'm viewing it through. And it's completely different from what the experiences of different people in different cultures and backgrounds and skin colors and everything else experience, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I saw a video on, on, I think it was on YouTube or something like that. And, and uh, somebody it was shot with a security camera off the front of a house and it's a little boy he's probably like maybe 11 or 10 or 11 playing in in the driveway and his parents have an suv parked there and you see the kid playing with his ball whatever and all of a sudden he stands up and he goes and stands right beside the suv so he can't be seen by the car that's driving by and it's a policeman mm. you know so like in the person the caption is like my son should be able to go outside and play without having to be afraid of the cops yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what a mess yeah yeah that's not good yep all right and another news Hi, May. Your team got a name. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, the Kraken. The Kraken, which is one that uh, that I was rooting for. Yeah, I think that's the best choice. I mean, some of them were okay names, but Kraken? Come on, that's badass. That's my new favorite hockey name. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those ones that I think is going to lend itself pretty pretty well to all of the, the merchandise, right? You can have things that are sort of more sort of scary looking Cthulhu stuff. But then for the kiddos, you got like, you know, squids and octopus oh, yeah. kind of things going on. So Yeah. No. I think it's uh, I think it's a hell of a winner. I think it's that's a great name. I was actually joking with a friend of mine is a uh, diehard Philadelphia Flyers fan, and of course I grew up here in the city, so I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and uh, and both of us are kind of fed up with the uh, 50 plus years of ineptitude that our teams have put forward. And I said to him, "Listen, I'm just going to put this on the table. We both become Kraken fans. <laughs> you know, well, of course I had the odds of them winning the Stanley Cup in our lifetimes versus the two teams we currently root for probably." pretty good yeah i i have to roll out my 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 trusty old joke i told it on more than just code and that my problem with with seattle getting a professional hockey team is that toronto's gonna want one too exactly exactly yeah they had their uh they they just played a game tonight in this sort of weird covid bubble playoffs uh they had a three they they had a three nothing lead and uh, they lost four three in overtime so So they snatched well at least we've got the nba champions something maybe they can play golf with the rangers that's yeah yeah, that's true. I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams on the outside, you know. Again, could be worse. Could be the Buffalo Sabres, but, you know. And how are they doing? They didn't even qualify for the bubble, so. Oh. Yep. But, boy, is it going to suck when tomorrow night the Montreal Canadiens knock out the Pittsburgh Penguins and we have to listen to gloating Habs fans for the next week until they get knocked really? out. Yeah. Mm, that doesn't sound good. Nope. You'll come to em- em- embrace the hatred of nearby cities like Vancouver and, uh, and well, I guess San Jose would be the next closest for you guys, right? Yeah. The, the Sharks. The Sharks and the Canucks are the, the two closest. Yeah. Vegas. <laughs> yeah. The Vegas is kind of a, a, a interesting one. And, and and gives me hope that we could win a, a Stanley Cup not too long after beginning because they they did what they their second year something like that. Well, expansion. they didn't win; but they made the finals in, in oh, their in win. their very first year. They made the finals. Right mm-hmm. um, now, again, they benefited extremely from the way that they set up the um, expansion draft. They were allowed to acquire very good players and then go and and um, make a lot of moves that were really beneficial to them. So, but, but kudos to them for really coming out hot out of the gate. But uh, yeah, I think. You know, I think if somebody said to me right now, hey, Toronto can start just by drafting players from other teams and building a team, I'd be like, hmm, how, how much does it cost? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. They'll never do it. No. And now, can we, can we, Jaime, can we focus our attention on getting the Sonics back there, please? Because honestly, <laughs> oh, I, man. Like, they, I've, been, I've been there one I was, time. I, I am a huge booster of Sonics basketball. There is the disgraceful that there's no team in, in Seattle. You better believe when I was watching, I, I don't remember why some, uh, you know, government official somewhere in Oklahoma was complaining somehow about the Thunder. I don't remember the context anymore. But I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> run them out of your city. <laughs> yeah. right back here yeah, on their go. round trip. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, and of course, the gall of galls is that, you know, that team that left had a rookie named Kevin Durant. Oh, you guys missed out on a career of a top 10 all-time NBA player. That is just the most cruel thing of all that. Yeah. People don't realize that like, oh yeah, like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, they, they tanked for a couple of years <laughs> to get those high picks. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get to see very good basketball in the final years of their their time here so looking looking forward to them sometime uh returning you know in in my lifetime but uh just waiting on and trying to you know maybe i should start getting with uh uh russian influencers and be like hey man can i pay you to like start (laughs) an aggressive (laughs) fake news campaign in all these different cities that are sort of borderline as to whether they'll keep their team or not let's let's start this thing if i'm aiming my targets on anybody if i were you i'd start with the sacramento kings can can we explain why there's a team in sacramento but not a team in uh in seattle they were so close so close to losing it and they 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 huddled up and said all right let's let's not lose this team so i think i think seattle ends up being one of the um the the horror stories that if you're looking to keep a team you point to and say we could be them if we don't find a way to get to the to the table yeah, yeah. But then for every one of those, there's also the, you know, Vancouver loses the Grizzlies. They go to Memphis and continue to be the Grizzlies. So that's true. Crazy. That's true. Craziness. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I got to go because I'm supposed to be on call right now. But uh, cool. hopefully nobody calls me. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. All right. Well, it was good to catch up with you guys. Pretty. And like looking yes. forward to 22 more weeks of this goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard Tim's heart fall. Yeah. You know, the good thing, Tim, is so so tonight was a little unusual for recap. And then we had a little bit of the, the break. Well, you know, personal matters had to be taken care of. But mm. uh, these shows are shorter. There isn't going to be as much going on in the media because mm. everything has slowed right. to a crawl. So I think even our our yeah. headlines and, and picks and yeah. stuff are, are going to be rather tight and trim uh, for yeah. the foreseeable future. Yeah, if you're looking for a nice, light, tight version of Spotcast, now's the time to subscribe and uh, follow us. <laughs> right. Alrighty, we'll talk to you guys later. Cool. Talk to you later. See you guys. Uh, bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.